0: Welcome back to the Lawfather podcast. As always, we are here in Lawfather headquarters. We are in the new Lawfather studio, the new temporary Lawfather studio, as we get ready uh, for our new office. So uh, those of you looking on video and seeing the uh, nice cement gray background, i just know that we're going to have something fresh and new coming up here in the next uh, about month and a half or so. So you'll have a couple episodes here with uh, this awesome background behind me. And then we'll be changing it up. So uh, hopefully you all will like that. Anybody who has any ideas or suggestions for what the backdrop should be, please let me know. Drop me a comment on Instagram or uh, or a message on Instagram. can't really drop me a comment just out of nowhere. But uh, also, please feel free, like the podcast or follow the podcast subscribe to it, rate it, check us out on all of our social media, and uh, saying hi to everybody on the live out there who has sent waving hand emojis. So there we go. Uh, Again, that taken care of. So let's talk about Mr. Donald Trump, uh, who, as you may or may not have heard, unless you live under a rock, uh, he has been indicted in the state of Georgia for election charges. And he actually has a quite. The interesting mug mugshot. So uh, don't don't just take my word for it. Go ahead and Google it. I type in Trump mugshot. Fun fact: He is the only president of the United States who has a mugshot, which actually is kind of interesting. Now that I'm thinking about it, because you know the reality is uh, when the whole Nixon thing happened. Uh, I I Jason, what do you remember? The year that Nixon happened? 80s. It was before our time. It was either before our time or we were like. Late 70s? Babies. Late 70s. Yeah. So before my time, it's amazing to me that Trump is actually the only uh, president that has a mugshot because from what I understand, the whole Nixon thing was was pretty bad. But I guess maybe, maybe he didn't face criminal charges, but I do know he was impeached. So there you go. There is your fun fact for the day that Trump is the only president to have a mugshot. Also, kind of along those lines, and we're going to get into the legal analysis and legal side of it, but kind of cool to think about, uh, the the chain reaction or the, the the unintended consequences and effects of something happening, right? So Georgia comes in, uh, Atlanta, Fulton County, right? Fulton County, Atlanta's in, Fulton County is highly Democrat, right? Those of you who may or may not know that Trump is Republican. So I'm not sure if I just spilled any beans there that no one actually knew about, but so Fulton County is is highly democrat. The state attorney there or the district attorney, I believe they call him in in Georgia is democrat. Okay? So take that for what it's worth, right? But seemingly the thought process would be that if you arrest a former president who's actually running for president that their their support will go down. Um, so you know you would you would think, right? However, we're getting up near like $10 million in in funding, in campaign fundraising that has come in to the Trump campaign since the mugshot came out. So uh, kind of land of unintended consequences there. I think maybe it was a rallying cry. I don't know. Put this out there. I don't make any political donations. So um, there you go. There you have it. You're not going to know what side of the fence I'm on. Boom. Try it. Anyway... um, so let's let's look at this though because it's it's kind of interesting because when you look at this and you look at the indictment and and you look at some of the charges Trump hasn't actually done any one of those things, right? And and by have, by not doing them, I mean physically been the person to go out and go I need you to do this, right? And that's what a lot of this is predicated on, right? Um, some of it's predicated on going to the, uh, the the voting machine company, give me this data. Talking to pollsters, I need you to change this. Uh, and, and going to election officials and, and saying, hey, I need this data, right? I need you to find a way to get these additional votes so that way... The Electoral College for Georgia is swayed and moved into the direction for Trump, right? Nothing that I've seen has actually necessarily said that Trump made this phone call. Trump went and talked to this person. So here's here's really the interesting thing about this. And if you've listened to the show in the past, you've, you've heard me talk about this before. I've actually been on other podcasts talking about this. And actually, I think... Um, Uh, I forget whose podcast it was, but we were talking, in all ironies, I believe, about Fulton County, Georgia, Uh, or at least I know it was Georgia and, and Georgia's law on this. Think back to late 80s, early 90s. What did the federal government put into play? RICO. What did the state start putting into play after the federal government put it into play? RICO. What was RICO designed to do? Right, even though the drafters of Rico said it's not really the intent of this law to do this, yeah, okay, sure you're right. Um just saying that it was designed to take down the mob, right? And why is that? When you think of it and, and don't I don't want anybody to take this as I am comparing Trump to a mob boss, because I'm not. But when you take it and you look at it from the legal standpoint, right? That law was designed to take down mob bosses. And why is that? Because it was designed in a way, or the mob at least, was designed in a way that the boss doesn't really do anything, right? And by do anything, I mean not, God, Jason, I'm going to get like a mob boss calling me up and going, hey, we don't do anything? Yeah, Not what I mean, right? They don't, for lack of a better term, they don't get their hands dirty, right? They're not the ones that are out there actually doing the bookmaking. They're not the ones out there actually running the numbers, moving the money around, cleaning the money, those types of things, right? Now, they may be the ones putting those actions into play, right? And and the moving the chess pieces on the board, right? But prior to RICO, there wasn't really a good way to charge. Yeah, there was conspiracy, but conspiracy became a really hard way to accomplish that became a really hard charge to pin in those situations. So what RICO did, and RICO is actually an acronym, Racketeering Inspired Corrupt Organizations, right? So when you enact a law that's called Racketeering Inspired Corrupt Organizations and uh, say that it's not about the mob when you introduced it when the mob was at its height. I'm going to go with that's probably what you were you were aiming for right? So that was that was how it originated. Now, how does that apply to Georgia, right? Well, here's how it applies. The charges are RICO charges. There have been 19 people arrested in connection with the election in Georgia from 2020, all right? And the overarching charges are state RICO charges, not federal charges, but state charges. Okay. And this all comes all the way back to the federal government. Right. And and remember, the federal government and the state government are are completely separate. Right. Um, And if we look at if we just take the political side of it for the moment and look at Republican versus Democrat, where we're talking about governments, think about it like this. Democrats, bigger government, more governmental control. Okay, Republicans, smaller government, less governmental control. okay so just kind of a tidbit as as we move through that it is something to kind of understand, right So we're dealing with essentially impacts on the federal government with things happening on the state level and oh by the way, things that are impacting the the Constitution of the United States. So if we look at, as we start this and as we start the analysis and start kind of diving into what Trump's looking at and what the impact is, because you could look at it and go, they're just trying to, by they, the the, the people who are charging Trump, right? The well, I guess it's the people, the actual people, the people of the state of Georgia, uh, if we want to get technical because it was indicted. And if you look at the way it's written, it's the state of Georgia verse, wherever the defendant is. In this case, Donald Trump and I think Rudy Giuliani, and uh, there's like 19 people. So 17 more people on that list, right? So um, it's it's the people, the, the people of Georgia verse all of, all of those people, all, all of those defendants, right? So you could look at it and go, well, well, look, the reality is, right, he's going to lose votes because of this. Well, I don't know, $10 million or almost $10 million in fundraising since his mugshot came out may say otherwise. Uh, it may actually, I don't know, it may entrench people. I, 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 don't, I don't know. We, and, and look, no one knows. All, all, all these pundits out there that are going to say, this is what's going to happen because of this. So you don't know. You have zero idea, right? We'll know come election time, possibly, the impact that this had. But here may be the other way that this is going to run or, or that this is trying to accomplish, right? Just remember, there, there's usually more than one way to accomplish a goal. And if your goal is to stop from, somebody from becoming president, really, really hard to do, right? Because you gotta get a lot of people on board to not vote for that person or to vote for somebody else, right, I mean, when you think about it, you can say, what can I do? or what can we do as whatever group we're a part of to get people to vote for person X, right? Okay. Or conversely, you could go, what can we do to take votes away from person Y? Okay. But that's not the full picture here because there's an amendment to the United States Constitution that if this were to go, how I think some people would like this to go, um, then Trump actually would be ineligible to be president of the United States. Think about that for a second. Ineligible. He would not be allowed to. He would be prohibited from. There's an amendment to the United States Constitution that says he could not be president. So I'm going to read the whole thing, and then let's break it down. Right. And section three of the 14th Amendment And it's one of these, you got to read it like four times to figure out what the heck they're really trying to say. Like They could have made it a little bit more concise. But here it is. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress, by a vote of two thirds of each House, may remove, or, but Congress may, by a vote of two thirds of each House, remove such disability. Okay? And by disability, they mean that. Congress can actually supersede this amendment with a two thirds vote, okay so what they're saying is is if if when if you had ever taken an oath of office, right, whether it's the military or the United States president for example i don 't know I think that's where we're kind of headed with this here that if you have been found to have engaged in an insurrection or a rebellion, or you helped with that, you can't be president. Okay? Now here's here's the question, and, and it brings up a lot, right? We we have these things here and we look at and go, Okay, I know what it says, but how does that work in real life? Right? I mean, here's here's kind of the easiest example. The what was it, January Nineteenth, twentieth, what was the big? They've been calling it an insurrection. What was January sixth? Jason for the win. Jason knows his history. Okay, but the whole we'll call it January sixth fiasco. Right, I'm not going to give it a name because I feel like if I give it a name, one way or another, makes it political. Not trying to make it political. Okay, something happened. We know, like it was, it was serious. Let's not take away from, like seriously, who thought that was a great idea. Did you really not think that you you break into the Capitol and you jump on some desks and take some stuff down and like you didn't think you were gonna to go to federal prison? I mean, it's just not smart, but anyway, we digress from <laughs> from the reality. That's one way that someone could go, hey, we want to disqualify somebody from being president of the United States. Now, here's a real easy answer to that. Any of the people who, uh, if if any of the people who have been convicted of that January sixth fiasco, right, if they had ever held an oath to the United States or any state, then the reality is they could not be president of the United States, right? That's real, really very simple because you have a, you're guilty, you were convicted of it, so you did it, you you were you were part of an insurrection, which is what this says, right? Or a rebellion. And those are the terms that have been used over and over and over and over again, right? But how do you attack somebody else that wasn't actually there? Well, because this says, give an aid or comfort to enemies thereof. I mean, let's just think about history for a moment, right? We kind of did get in a war with England and... You know, we were probably likely a little bit afraid of, you know, people, you know, kind of uh, being sympathetic to the British because they were British, because, well, back in the day, everybody that lived here was British type of thing. Think about how that would work, right? And this was a way to, to ensure the stability of the United States, right? I mean, look, the reality is there are so many safeguards in place that there was nothing anybody could do in Jan- on January sixth or in and around that time to prevent Bi- President Biden from being president. Just not like you can take over the Capitol, storm the Capitol, all you want, but it ain't happening here in the U.S. Right? This is the the way the Constitution's written, the way the amendments are written. And oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure that if need be, our military would step up and you know shut anything down. So we really. Really didn't have to worry about there there not being a change, your know, peaceful changeover of power, which I think is is you know kind of what this was, and we're, we're getting a little bit away from the election, but we're gonna we're gonna come back to that right. We're gonna get right back onto that in just one second because this Fourteenth Amendment piece is important because it's really hard to tie Trump to the. We'll call we'll, So we can use the same word as, as the amendment, this the fiasco, which is being dubbed an insurrection, right? Uh, it's really hard to tie him to it, to go, he gave aid and comfort to, because by all means, I am sure if somebody had the smoking gun for that, we'd all know about it, right? It would have been used by now, because it is a complete bar to being president, unless you can get two thirds of a vote in the legislature. Um we can't get two-thirds of a vote on anything in, in our legislature. Um, I mean, think about You'd have to have at least two-thirds of it be Republican. And you'd have to have 100% of those two-thirds that are Republican in the House or in the legislature be okay with it, right? So that, that's the amount. So if somebody had a smoking gun to January 6th to tie Trump to it in terms of giving aid or comfort, Right? Uh, We would have heard about it. So we come to, well, now Georgia goes, well, hey, wait, we got something right here. We can tie Trump to all of these people that did all of these things. And we can go, hey, Georgia has a really strict RICO law. Okay. And it hasn't ever really been challenged. Right? So at least, up to the federal Supreme Court, there's no, there's really not been much along the line of case law challenging the Georgia RICO law. Georgia's RICO law, Georgia's RICO law is very strict, it's very stringent, it's very technical, okay, and it really, really can cause problem, right? And so you look and you go, well, could we deem? Trying to alter the election and being involved somewhere in it as being an insurrection or a rebellion, right? Does a rebellion or an insurrection have to look like January 6th, right? I mean, look, that's an easy one. That's, that's an easy one to look at and go, that's it. That's an insurrection. That's a rebellion because you can see the pictures, right? You see the guys. Of course, of course, it's Florida who had the more people who did this more dumb stuff, like putting stuff on their head. Like, come on. Um, don't do that. Don't, don't go to federal prison. Anyway. That, like, you can wrap your head around that. You can go, yes, that is a rebellion. That's an insurrection. I get it. I see it. I feel it. I understand it. It looks like it. People were scared. There was, it, it was violent. It was everything you would expect it to look like, right? But could, could trying to change the voting structure, trying to change who gets the electoral vote for a state, could that also constitute an insurrection or rebellion? And I think that's where we're trying to go, right? I think that's what the goal is, is to draw that line, right? So you have a kind of a two-part process because you have to be able to go, yes, he is guilty of essentially tampering with the election in Georgia, right? State, state, state charges not federal charges state charges of tampering with the election in Georgia violating the state of Georgia election laws okay if so and and remember we're we're talking about RICO charges so we're talking about overall charges we're talking about think of the puppet master right this is the probably the easiest way i can describe when we're talking about RICO charges trump's the puppet master All these other 18 defendants are on a string and he is doing the little dance with the thing. And it has a name. I can't remember what the name of it is, but, you know, the little, little cross, you know, pieces of wood with that make Pinocchio dance. Okay. That, like he is the one holding that and everybody else is dancing around. That's Rico. That is Rico in a nutshell. Now, here's the problem. How are you going to deem that that's a corrupt organization? And I have a feeling this is where Georgia's law becomes really very aggressive and really kind of subject subjected to uh, potential for appeals. And in that, you have to prove that there's a, a a criminal organization, right? That's kind of tough to do in a situation like this. When you use it with the mob, when you use it with a gang, it, it's it's generally pretty pretty easy, right? Because they're they're working in the furtherance of this criminal organization right and they kind of they're set up to be a criminal organization right I mean the gangs and and the mob and and people who are out like groups like that that are out selling drugs or um, bookmaking that type of thing like you're setting out to be illegal right You're, you're setting your whole group up to be illegal that's the entire process there right whereas This wasn't necessarily that. So you have to keep that in mind. They have to be able to prove that it's a a corrupt organization because if it's not, things start falling apart. You may have individual charges against individual people, but you have to be able to tie them all together, right? Now here's the key. Here's what some of the defendants, including Trump, at least that they've kicked around, right? Uh, not, Not really sure that it's, that Trump's lawyers have filed a motion for this. I know some of the defendants have, And this is something, it's fairly common in civil. Uh, It can happen in criminal because the statutes allow for it. Uh, It's not as commonly allowed in in criminal as it is in civil, but removal to federal court. So the thought process is remove these cases and and removal of federal, federal court literally means you're removing the case. You're asking to remove the case from state court and asking the federal court to be the one to make the rulings, okay? So, and, and they would apply state law, which is why you could get this really cool and really, really cool from a legal perspective, breakdown of Georgia's uh, RICO law, because now all of a sudden you could potentially have a federal court interpreting Georgia law, right? And if it gets appealed, now you got an appellate court interpreting Georgia law. Take another step further, get that appealed, And you get the Supreme Court of the United States interpreting this Georgia law. Could be kind of interesting, especially since it's a law that doesn't, you know, from, by all accounts, have a whole lot of case law that deals with it. So, and by moving to federal court, these defendants want to have their cases heard individually. Okay. That's kind of a big thing because it, it makes it a little bit harder to go, you're part of a corrupt organization. Oh, really? I am? Um, I'm the only one sitting here, right? It the, It's optics, right? Whether it's true or not, some of it has to do with optics. So you have 19 defendants out there and you're going, look, this is a corrupt organization. How often do you see 19 defendants sitting at the table? Ha ha, gotcha, right? Uh, and you know, jurors are, okay, well, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, clearly, clearly the state wasn't wrong 19 times, right? Or were they? I don't know. All right. So that's what we have to look at. And and so if you can convict of those election charges, do you have enough to prove that he was part, that Trump was part of an insurrection or rebellion? Or based on the way this amendment is written, do you even need a conviction? I'm going to go with no. I I don't think you do, but you can use the trial to help to get that information to go, this was an insurrection, this was a rebellion. And I'm not talking about January 6th, I'm just talking about Georgia, right? Just talking about Georgia's election in 2020, okay? And the alleged tampering thereof, right? Is this enough to be considered an insurrection or rebellion? And I think that's where they could potentially go and... If so, you try to get Trump excluded from being able to even run for president. So that is something to absolutely consider, to look at and understand. So get to know and understand what's going on and and maybe take it a step further than what the news headlines tell you. Because there's a lot to this. Okay, There really is. There's, There's more to it than a funny mugshot which is kind of funny. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, yeah, it's, there's probably some memes on it, I would guess. Uh, So, you know, there you have it. But in all seriousness, start to get an understanding for yourself. Read past just the headlines, read past CNN, read past Fox News. Okay. Look, at the end of the day, everybody has their own agenda when they're writing these things maybe read from both perspectives. You know, the, the good ones out there, they they just give you the facts, right? And they just tell you, these are the facts and you develop your own opinions as a result of the facts. Okay. So if you have any questions on the topic, feel free, hit me up on all the social media out there. That is the Lawfather podcast for today. More to come. We will follow this, I think a little bit more because I think it's going to speed up a little bit. And um could potentially have some impacts on the election, the upcoming presidential election, that is. Anyway, Law Father out.